Books. Jeff Salzman here and welcome to The Daily Evolver. Today, I am joined by David Rudin, who many of you know. He's the VP of Media at Integral Life and the man behind so much of what we enjoy over at Integral Life. So welcome, David. How you doing? <laughs> Great, Jeff. And it's, it's really fun to be back on Daily Evolver because, you know, we we did an early part of this and now you're doing it daily and every, you know, our audience just loves it. So I'm just happy to be a part of it. Thanks. Yeah. In the first few years, uh, we had a conversation around the Daily Evolver. You we did. You interviewed totally me and you were, it, yeah. was, it was really, it was fun. Totally enjoyed it. That so it is good to have you back. Thanks. Um, David is also the producer of the What Now Conference, which I know a lot of you are interested in. That 200, so 200 of you are coming. It's over New Year's uh, here, just outside of Boulder at the Omni Hotel. And um, it's a major event in the integral community. We haven't done a conference like this for over four years uh, when we did the What Next conference. And the What Next conference, I was just thinking back, David, it was like, you know, Obama was in the White House, all was well with the world. You know, we were all like, so what now? What do we do? We've, you've got this all under control. <laughs> That's exactly right. And, and Ken had just started writing again. I mean, I look back on that and go, what an optimistic time that was. You know, I know, the world has toined. Well, that's why what now works. I mean, in a certain sense for all of us is what next was really about the now and the future with a very sort of progressive, optimistic view about going forward. And what now is here we are for almost five years later, uh, exactly saying, all right, so didn't expect this quite this way. Right. Now. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think those of us, especially who are into developmental theory, are sensing that we're experiencing cultural evolution at warp speed, maybe de-evolution. <laughs> but, you know, today Al Franken resigns. I mean, this uh, somebody was saying that the whole Harvey Weinstein thing was exactly two months ago. Yeah. You know, and it's just astonishing. And, and so much, you know, social media and so forth, which I, I want to talk to you about here in a minute. But <clears throat> I do just want to say, I just as a sort of a word from our sponsor, Integral Life, this conference is uh, worth coming to. Consider it if you haven't already signed up. You can go to the whatnow.com website. It's Friday the 29th through Monday, January 1st. So it's a nice weekend and a New Year's Eve party. And I will be there. Ken Wilbur will be there. Patricia Albert, Dr. Keith Witt, Terry Patton, Helen Palmer, uh, David uh, is doing a keynote, Rob Smith, Corey. Uh, we'll all be there. Yes, the usual and, cast of characters. Yes, and we have... And some new ones, actually, too. An early bird discount is oh, uh, continued for those of you who are watching or listening to the Daily Evolver. And the code is what now EB. So WNEB, what now early bird, WNEB 110. So there you have it. And you can see, <laughs> we talk about the various intelligences at, at Integral that there's such a thing as spatial intelligence. And I was explaining it to one of my friends and he said, well, if there's such a thing as spatial intelligence, yours is very bad. Yours is very low. And you can see that I've demonstrated that here. But anyway, early bird is WNEB 110. All right. 
So we mentioned your uh, keynote, David, mm. and um, one of the things that um, you know we're going to talk about you know, really what's happening here in terms of cultural evolution and where we go from here and you know what now. Um, and you have a special interest in passion and intelligence, I think, around this emergence of social media and you know sort of the virtual world in general. Uh, but um, the um, and w one of the things I've learned from you about that is to not be quite so blasé about it as I have been in the past. And I think that part of the cultural evolution we're talking about is this turn that I think a lot of us have felt. Um, I, I, David Brooks wrote a column about, about it about a month ago. Uh, not even. I think it was right before Thanksgiving. Uh, it was titled, How Evil is Tech? And he was talking about how even in this last year, we have this worm turning a little bit about uh, the nature of technology, about the nature of technology companies. And, um, and you've taught me a lot about this. And you've put out a series of what you're calling dispatches. Uh, what are they called? The W... What's well, my it's, what, it's it's what's my news, and these dispatches are. Uh, we're, I guess we're going to look at a piece of one today. Yeah, I'm going to use them as conversation starters because you know, my keynote is not me talking, you know, for long hours. It's basically uh, bringing up a conversation. I just figured it was much easier to do the videos than me talking, and then that is going to have everybody talk about in the room. What you know, what is their awareness of it, and. Um, are they aware that what these platforms do and, and if they are, um, then how do they feel about it? Because we all need to make, you know, choices about uh, this current environment that we sit in. Yeah. And I'm going to play the first part of one of the um, one of the dispatches that you put out. And it's so good. I just have to tell you, David, it's Thanks, it's fun to see something so, you know, well thought out and professional. And, uh, you know, it. It reminds me that you had your career in Disney and in television, and it's uh, it's fun to see this. So this is from Dispatch Number Five, and uh, I'll play about a minute and fifteen seconds. So here it is. As you've probably already discovered, the sources of the news and the way we engage with them is not a simple subject these days. In this dispatch, I'm going to attempt to give you some filters to help you cut through the noise created by these new developments. I will also suggest some ideas about how to alter your personal online habits or get involved with upcoming initiatives that are attempting to protect our data privacy. These proposed ideas would continue to give us safe access to the very useful digital services companies like Google, Facebook, and Amazon offer. The first thing to consider is your opinion of the intentions of these companies. If you assume, like I do, that they have not turned inherently evil as their power has grown, but are simply trying to maximize their profits, there may be a regulatory conversation that needs to happen. In similar ways, like we did with other industries like automobiles or toys, in the name of public good and safety. The conversation would involve, at the very least, what permissions we give organizations who want to collect our personal data, if or where our data is stored, who has access to that information and what they can do with it, and under what circumstances can it be shared with third parties. All right, well, you know, that doesn't seem like too unreasonable, except it is harder than pressing that I agree button at the bottom, you know, 
Yes, so, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> but I mean, it's, uh, in later in that video, I um, you know I bring a bunch of different sources into it, and uh, Tim Berners Lee, who was you know one of the original in uh, originators of the internet, um, basically said, "Look, it, it's really easy. In 2018, there are going to be sort of three hot button questions around this whole issue." You know, and one is we just saw them, you know, get control of your personal data. I mean, know what's being collected on you. And if you can't find that out, then that may make you more wary than just simply having it all go out the back end of your Google searches or your Facebook pages or your Amazon purchases or whatever. So, well, well, it's one of the things that I really love about what you said in the in the the clip I just played. and it, you know, it gets to this, do I need to get my arms around it? Uh, and I think the answer is yes. And you talk about how, you know, you don't think that these people are inherently evil. They're not really trying to screw anybody. But the system is set up so that the bottom line for these companies still is basically the bottom line. They it's it's how much money are they making for themselves and for their investors and that um it's funny Corey and i were talking about this yesterday on uh, when i did a, 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 an episode on the taxes the, the republican tax plan and it's just you know the the modernist system where the, there's a single bottom line and it's about profits then you know, these people are really smart and the way they're going to maximize their profits is to keep us stuck to their platform, mm-hmm. you know, and to, to keep us coming back and to give us our little dopamine hit. And they become very, very good at that. And, uh, and so they almost can't help themselves. And it doesn't seem unreasonable that I could at a minimum just opt in or opt out of their system. And, you know, what do you think? Well, and, and look, the, the, you know, what are, I'm really there, talking, their data collecting system. Yeah. What I, what I'm really talking about at the conference is the news. And so one of the things that we see as we all try to manage this reality show that we find ourselves in. And I always say, you know, let's remember that if integral makes the claim that we're moving to another level of development, we can look back historically and look, for you and I, you know, late 60s, early 70s, when postmodern came in, you know, these were, it was chaotic. I mean, you know, we forget, boomers forget just how crazy it, it seemed and it was. And so this is no, this is no surprise. We're just in the middle of it. And so one of the ways that, you know, I look at stories and, you know, my interest in what are we imagining about the now and the future is with the news. And so if you're trying to get a handle on what you, think what you want to do, all of this, right, as this stuff starts to unfold. The news has always been this one way in real time that we, you know, sort of look at a version of what's happening in the world. And, the, you know, I'll just, one thing I'll say about these platforms is that I started out with the question, um, have, you know, has the way that I both engage with the news and, and the sources of the news, has that fundamentally changed in the last five years that now 44% of, of uh, citizens in the U.S. get their news from social media and entertainers. And that second category is equally interesting. And if that's the case, then what are these platforms? And then, as you just said, they're designed to maximize profits for the corporations. 
And for those of us that have been tracking this for a while, we said, well, this is a fundamental sea change in the news feeds. I mean, in the way they get generated and why. And the question then going forward, which has now been illuminated by all the questions about what Russia did with the election, is you can see how vulnerable they are to manipulation and fake news and hate reports yeah. and all the rest of it. Which and is how vulnerable feel. Go ahead. How vulnerable we are. Well, and it just makes it feel like we're polarized, right? We have this meme that we're more polarized than ever. And I, you know, I don't know whether that, I mean, I guess, I mean, I sort of feel it some days, but certainly when you look at the news, you would see, you know, the cage mm-hmm. matches that are going on in cable news and all the rest of it. You just start to see, but these fundamental differences in these platforms and the business plans that run these news feeds is fundamentally changed the way that the news is actually, that well, we're actually engaging with it. Let, let's pause there for a second, because you and I are both old guys, sure. and that's not really the way we came up. I right. mean, we got our news from Walter Cronkite and Time Magazine and New York Times and whatever, Wall Street Journal. Maybe there was some conservative stuff, but the idea that 40, what'd you say, 44%? 44% is the latest number, you know, that, uh, gets, that, their that get their news from primarily social, from their- Social media and then also late night entertainers, as we see Colbert and Jimmy Kimmel and all those right. people start to get involved. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and what's really different there, because I go online enough to know what kind of news I can get from my news feed and from my Twitter, and it's news I've selected. You know, it's news I like. It's right. news that supports my worldview. And, um, and I, I could see that uh, myself. You know, I, I tape a lot of these news shows through the day. And I tape a lot from Fox and I tape a lot from MSNBC and from CNN and, and all over the place. And when I come home and do I want to watch the Fox News? Not really. I mean, it's actually a little stressful for me because it goes against my worldview, my natural sort of liberal worldview. And, uh, and I kind of want to, the news that feels better. And that's just so fundamental. Sure. And so if we get ourselves in a vortex where we're really just exquisitely selecting the news that makes us feel better, wow. Yeah. Well, and look, I, I'm not trying to romanticize about where news has been you know, in our lifetimes, right? So you start off with the three networks that were this big social gathering around dinner time, at least in the U.S. And then you moved into cable news starting in 1980 and all that explosion of the 24-7 news. And all of those platforms, I mean, I'm not making an argument that they were objective. You know, they weren't. I mean, and they were advertising driven because, you know, and this was the old adage that if if it bleeds, it leads in the news. When you sort of asked yourself, why is it, that when the news comes at me, there are five murder stories or train crashes or this, and then there's a funny dog story at the end. A lot of other stuff happened today. Why is that? And you go, well, there's the psychology of what we can't take our eyes away from, right? So that, that's all been there. Although I will say that, you know, one of the things I was reminded of when I was doing this thing, that Walter Cronkite, who was really the face of, of that network news era, yeah, he was considered the most trusted man in America. Right now, you compare that to what we think now, and it doesn't matter on your persuasion whether you like Fox or MSNBC or Facebook news feeds, and you look at the at the trust levels. I mean, they're almost at zero. I mean, for all of them, right? I mean, mm-hmm. in a certain sort of sense, depending on right. who you ask. The difference that I want to point out, Jeff, is that that even with those advertising-driven media,s we could turn them off. 
right? Now, granted, you could also stop looking at your phone and not doing searches and not buying products on Amazon. I get it. But the platforms now have become this fast twitch world that we're into, and particularly you and I that are interested in current events, there's stuff coming all the time, right? So, I mean, it just, we need to update and whatever that is. Yeah. So in, in the course of that though, they are customizing news, news feeds based on the data that they've collected from us, at least the way the system is now. So this puts us into these tribal circles, right? Where we tend to find people that agree with us. And even though, as you said, there's a comfort level for that. I, I like hanging out with people that have a certain persuasion versus Fox, as an example. But it so, really does suck you into a vortex of, does. and then it gets ever more extreme. Right. I mean, but, I can read all kinds of stuff about how Trump's losing it and going yeah. crazy and, you no, know, and, and, and oh, yay. But really, I don't know. Yeah. You know? Well, and that's the awareness piece, right? I mean, this is really what we're going to, that's the experiment we're going to run at the conference is, I'm just going to lay these things out, right? And basically say, look, here's, here, here's some thoughts about this. You know, and where are you in all of this? How aware are you that every time you click on that juicy headline, no matter what you're supporting, but just like you just said, Trump impeached. <laughs> right. Click. Yes. Right. Yes. And what happens when you click on that is that it basically shoves that story, whether it's true or not true, which is the new you know, model, it shoves it up higher into the popularity rating. So it gives the impression that it's actually true when actually we've now learned that a lot of this stuff right. is fake or outright and it's, Some of it is just out, you know, outright manufactured to be yeah. fake. So Absolutely. it's Melania throws plate at Trump's head, you know, whatever. Uh, and, and that gets in there too, because, you know, we like that. Uh, and of course, as you pointed out, and we all have seen in this last year, there was a whole industry going on in Russia yeah. that was designed to throw the election to Trump. And, uh, and, and some stuff on the other side, too, that was just, you know, manufactured as fake news that didn't get culled, right. you know, that, 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 that got through and really is, I'm not sure we've come to terms with that. No. And, and there are other issues that, um, that we're now discovering as a result of suddenly the spotlight getting to mainstream media about what happened. How did the Russians do this, right? How did they manipulate these stories that a lot of them were just fake. And one of the things that, you know, you find out doesn't take long to push into this is I'll just use Facebook as an example. I'll pick on them for any, you know, for a moment is that they actually have teams of conservative and liberal employees. So if you and I had a public campaign and I go to buy advertising on Facebook for that campaign, I'm offered those employees as embeds in the war room of my campaign. So this was a little shocking for people to understand because it came from the head of the Trump digital media thing in an interview with Leslie Stahl. I mean, all of us knew, but it suddenly, I could see her face like, what? Mm -hmm. they, you know, Twitter and Facebook had embedded employees in the Trump war room to help mm -hmm. them with. Yeah. And you go, all right, so first of all, how transparent were you about that? And secondly, that's a little creepy when you also run the news feed yeah, that is based on my data. Now, the well, question she that, asked, you said, "Go ahead." Did the well, Clinton did the Clinton campaign do it? And he says, "As far as I know, they didn't." Which, you know, 
That's one well, of the stories even, of that election. <laughs> I can see as, you know, as a business, I would want to help my best customers use my services right. to their maximum. I mean, that's just sort of standard. Right. But there is something that sort of, there's another line that gets crossed when they're also running the, the news feed itself. It's not like they're... Um, uh, advising you how to pick the best magazines to run your advertising. Correct. They're actually the news feed itself. And then, um, well, and then again, they're and not. Look, I, I'm not, I'm not picking on, you know, oh, terrible. The Trump campaign did that and Clinton didn't. I mean, Clinton probably would have been smarter to do it. Well, totally. But I'm just pointing out that is the current, this is a sea change in terms of the way that news and the interaction with the news works. And that's, and one of my original questions, has it changed in the last five years? For me, you know, the answer is yes, 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 yes. It's changed massively. And then this brings up all the other questions about these are no longer neutral platforms of the way they were originally presented, just a nice place for people to talk or a nice place to search. They are now driving forces in our cultural uh, conversations, political conversations, economic conversations, and whatever is deemed popular, where, yeah whatever is deemed, what pushes things up the list, whether they're real or fake. And this is one of the problems that they're all trying to address, they say at this point, but certainly a big problem in the election. Whatever that is, that suddenly starts to frame the conversation in some very sort of strange ways that can give you false impressions really about what's happening in the mainstream, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and then if there's, uh, also, the issue, and, and, and this too, had, I've, I've gained an appreciation for it in the last couple of years, of the, um, the depth and span issue of the internet, right. uh, how it is an amazing thing in terms of span, that you can read everything about everything, you can see videos from everywhere, you can learn things that you can't imagine, you can, whatever, it's all out there. But depth is harder on the internet. And, um, and, and the example I think of is how many novels have I actually read in the last 10 years? A couple, but I used to read novels constantly. And, um, and I'm sorry about that. And I noticed that my attention span has lessened. And this is one of the things that David Brooks uh, talked about in, in the column that I mentioned, How Evil is Tech. He and I'll read a paragraph. He talks about there's three big critiques of big tech, and I just look at this first one. The first is that it's this destroying the young. And I, I don't think it's just the young, but in terms of this critique, but at any rate, he, he points out social media promises an end to loneliness, but actually produces an increase in solitude and an intense awareness of social exclusion. And that's, you know, of course, very... Young people are sensitive to that. Yeah. Texting and other technologies give you more control over your social interactions, but also lead to thinner interactions and less real engagement with the world. Correct. And, yeah. and look, I mean, and that's, that's the bleakest picture. And I, I just want to be clear here is that these are not black and white images. It's, it's very complex. And so somebody might say to that, well, if it's so terrible, do we just want to get rid of it? And then, of course, all of us that depend on it for, uh, I mean, it also brings us all the information in the world as well. Yeah. And it also allows us to search things in a moment's notice that used to take a long time going to the library or calling people oh up. Right? So yes. there is real value to these tools. We don't want to go back. Yeah. And the, the point I'm making is that 
this regulatory thing that you referenced that's in part of that video, which is the last video in the series where I'm kind of talking about, you know, what can we do? Because it seems so overwhelming that you just go, I don't know. So one of the things about the regulatory piece, which is already happening in Europe, I mean, assuming the billions of dollars that Facebook and Google are spending to try to get this to not happen in May, they are reversing in a particular way, the whole opt-in, opt-out. So instead of automatically they can take your data as a result of using their services, which of course is covered in these long legal agreements that whether you read or don't read, <laughs> click on or don't I click. read all 149 know, pages of me them. too. So you'd be shocked, right? You probably wouldn't go out of your house after reading it. So oh my God. Uh, the thing is they're going to reverse that where you actually have to give permission for them to collect data in certain circumstances. And, you know, I can think of ways that that would be useful. I would open up the kimono a little bit to sort of see where my thoughts range with other people's thoughts, right? But I want control over that and also what's collected and also most importantly, who it's shared with and under what circumstances. Right? Yeah. And these yeah. are just, these are, you know, this is, I, I kind of made a little bit of a joke in the video that it's a safety, you know, a public safety issue, but it is. I mean, to a certain extent, when we see the suicides and some of the things that you pointed to, and it's certainly the, increase in violence as both tribes get off on each other and clash and all the rest of that. It, it just, you know, these are just common sense things that we're going to want to do. And here's the interesting thing. And there hasn't been a lot of study on this, but there've been some beginning studies coming out of uh, Europe where they have had this for a little bit. And, you know, so one of the questions was, was the business plan of Yahoo or, Sir, or you know, or Google or Facebook affected by the fact that that we had to give them permission. And in fact, what they found, and these are by no mean comprehensive, but they're just small little inklings, but it makes common sense when you think about it. In a relationship where you actually trust who you're sharing your data with, you will probably use their services as much, if not more so. Yep. Because it's so rare these days that we trust anybody at these big corporations about what they're doing with our information or who they're selling our emails to, that if you could actually develop a trusting relationship with them, my guess is these platforms, because they're so established, are going to continue to make billions of dollars of profit oh, yeah. anyway. No, they're, they're providing, a, 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 at this point, an essential service. Yeah. And, uh, and we don't want to, to turn back. But... It doesn't seem to me, as, as I said, <clears throat> unreasonable for, you know, that list that I just put up there again, you know, yeah. permission. Well, it isn't, like I, it isn't, but you're going to, you're going to see a lot of <laughs> promotion, shall we say, of opinions that, and given also this environment that, that we seem to be in right now, where consumer protections are just being stripped away almost as fast as <clears throat> President Trump can, you know, move his pen well, on paper. Yeah. It just seems to be a, a a theme here where when it's a choice between corporations' rights or power, whatever they have, and consumers, that we seem to be making a, a real decision against consumers, even in the Consumer Protection Agency and all that. That concerns me. I mean, in terms of the sort of the forward thrust of this. So I think you're going to see a lot of promotion for uh, don't screw around with our, uh, you know, you don't want to, uh, you know, change these services because they're so valuable to you and all the rest of it. But I, you know, in the end, I'm homing, hoping that common sense will will out and we'll yeah. regulate these things as we've done with other things. And then that gives us, as I said in the video, safe access to all the valuable tools that those corporations provide. Yeah, they've become utilities. 
I mean, it's like the electric company that it's essential that people have electricity. And so the government regulates it so that it is, uh, you know, something that we can count on and, yeah. and have some protection from. And, and I think then, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I, and I was going to say, I, so I think that's really important. And I'm, and, and I'm glad that Europe is leading the way on this. Yeah. And, and I would expect them to, they're actually a, a, a half a step ahead of us in terms of cultural evolution. So yeah. go for it, Europe. Right. Uh, and, the, and I also uh, think that the, that we need to stand up in a variety of ways. Some of the things that I cover in the other videos, you know, as you said earlier, if you're a modern corporation that is based on, you know, your quarterly profits and, and maximizing shareholder uh, value, which is the rules of the way those corporations work, Naturally, you're going to want to extend your influence further and further and further and make more and more money. I mean, it's just the nature of that business model. Now, yep. we're going to talk about more generative business models where you can still have corporations and all the things that they bring with the innovation and all that, but you can disperse the value in different ways uh, that is not just around shareholder. But look, one of the things that we're all seeing, and you see these ads, and I, I they're actually kind of funny. When I showed one of the ads from Google Home, these are all the home devices. So Amazon, Google, and Facebook are all pushing, particularly this Christmas, you to buy this new digital assistant that you can put in your house, which basically is a recording device. Now, there are lots of uh, conversations going on about when that recording device actually turns on because they originally said it was only when you asked the digital assistant a question, but now there seems to be coming out and reviews is that, you know, it seemed like the microphone was on all the time, right? So what is it doing? It's collecting information on you and your family and all the rest of it. And this is in every room in your house, right? I mean, there was uh, an article this totally about the first reviews of Amazon and their door lock thing, which when we saw that, whatever that was a month ago, when they said, hey, you can buy a lock from us that allows the delivery man to open your front door and put your packages inside. And we all went, ooh, how creepy, right? Um, you know, this is where they're going. And I, and I would expect them to continue to try to continue their reach unless we, as their consumers, stand up and say, wait a minute, we want a more balanced back and forth relationship. And some of this is really violating our privacy, if you really want to get to that point. Well, yeah. And I mean, I'm actually cool with that. Uh, if uh, I have four uh, uh, Alexa, I don't want to even say her name because she'll. Yeah, I know. It, but you know who I'm talking about, the Amazon one. I have four of them. I can actually see where I might want to let a delivery man in. Uh, but I want to be able to opt in here. Of course. And, and um, uh, this is where um, I do think evolutionarily, it's like we're. Some, if you think about the, the, the pig and the python, we're somewhere in the middle here where this onslaught of information and this, this little dopamine surge thing that they get us in this hijack compulsion loop where we're just getting, you know, little treats virtually, uh, that it's a little bit like fast food. Uh, it's cheap, it's filling, it's delicious. It's not healthy for you, and people eventually get hip to it. Yeah. But we have an obesity crisis in the meantime, as people do get hip to it. But at some point, you just have to control yourself. And I do think that there is a movement that is probably just arising now, uh, maybe more so among young people, 
of putting the phone down. I, I've seen it, you know, that there are clubs where people get together at bars and everybody put, puts their phone face down. And that we, or maybe we have a day without technology. That's our new Sabbath. What do you think of that, David? A new Sabbath where we turn yeah, everything I mean, off. look, I, this, is I mean, really. where, this is where we need to make personal decisions. And certainly you and I are going to feel differently about that as boomers versus millennials that basically grew up with these amazing thumbs. I mean, when I watch our son, who's 26, you know, operate these things. I mean, I go, this is an evolutionary something in advance. These thumbs yeah. work in ways. They're augmented, they're augmented uh, intelligence yeah. now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the whole thing about that is that this is really what we want. We want people to make choices and become, you know, more aware of, you know, what they're doing. And, 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 and just, you know, even just survey it. I mean, I look, I, I'm not putting this off on other people. I notice it with me. I mean, partly because I'm so interested in all these stories and partially because I'm into this right now. So I'm watch. I'm starting to watch my own habits and I go, man, when that little, that little uh, alert goes off, there's just a little part of my brain that just has to go look at it right now, no matter what. I mean, How it exciting. Can, of a conversation. It can be watching television. I completely change and say, oh my God, you know, Al Franken just resigned, right? Or, oh, look at the fires in LA. I mean, so we see this, right? And so that's really what we need to ask ourselves is, you know, what is my, where is my level of awareness around that? And what is okay with me? And then try, you know, it's one of the things that uh, Tim talks about you can do is you can basically cut down on your Twitter and your uh, you know, your participation in Facebook or whatever, and just sort of see if that makes your life a little um, calmer, you know, yeah. rather than agitated all the time, for sure. Right on. Yeah. No, well said. I, I like that awareness of, of what we're doing and what's okay. Yeah. And I, I think just, you know, bringing that awareness online uh, helps us make decisions. That's always sort of the engine of growth. So... Now, one of the other things that I go into in this series that is another feature when we look at this as the news is, um, I mean, of course, we've talked about the bubble, you know, phenomena, that it, it tends to put you into bubbles with people that agree with you. Right. There's another phenomena, though, that I'm, I'm watching, and this isn't just on the social media platforms. It's also on what's going on in cable news right now. And this is this false equivalency argument, which basically says... We've always had fringe opinions out at the edge of the, you know, what we would call the mainstream conversation. But those fringe opinions were always there. I mean, and they were always, well, no, I don't want to say that, you know, a lot of them are hateful and it can be the left or the right. It doesn't matter really, but they're, they're very extreme and they sit out and people make up whatever story they're going to make up, try to make meaning of the world. But what we see on cable television with this new opinion-driven, not so new, opinion-driven format where you have all of the panels, which we see for endless numbers of hours, and you look at the, in quotes, experts, which, by the way, are paid for either by the network. I mean, these people are not independent. They're either representing a political campaign or, you know, a corporation or whatever. They're paid for opinions where it seems to be this conversation among perspectives. But one of the things I noticed even around Charlotte is that, you know, a lot of hubbub and rightly so around, gee, there seems to be a resurgence of the American Nazi movement in the United States. And so I, I you know, because it just seemed like it was suddenly a mainstream conversation about all these young men that were converting to, 
Nazi beliefs. And you just go, this is just bizarre considering that we fought a war over this. And even the most conservative person would not be crazy about Hitler or whatever. So I looked into the numbers and, and uh, you know, once again, we just have to be reminded. So Ku Klux Klan, American, you know, the, that end of things, American Nazis, whatever, three or four years ago, were literally dead online. There just weren't that many people, right? And now you're sort of saying, well, there's been an uptick in, in uh, people joining these movements. And you go, well, but exactly how many people is that? And in the American Nazi, the, the stuff that I looked at a couple of weeks ago, it was about 1,500. So that's a big change from zero to 1,500, sure, but it's still 1,500 in a country of how many millions of people? 330. And it gets presented as if this is coming into the mainstream and this is a real problem and both sides, you know, immediately go into their polarization about how this is or that is. And I think that's another thing we have to become aware of. I mean, I actually, when I see somebody on one of those panels, I actually want to know their credentials. And if they're a blogger from Dallas, as opposed to someone <laughs> that has 20 years of government service, I want to know that because yeah. in a sense, their opinions are being equalized and they're not equalized in yeah. terms of expertise and anything that I would be looking for you know, to well, look just, at my own opinions about it. what you're saying, you know, to bring more awareness to this, you know, check out what we're doing, what we're seeing. Don't just, just be a, you know, passive receptacle for this stuff. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so that's another feature of it that is new. Yeah, absolutely. No, and that's interesting to hear that it's 1500. I mean, uh, that surprises me as, 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 as for the low number, but right. boy, uh, do we get all worked up over it? And, you know, I, I have to think that there's some sort of, Karma, we still have to burn around Probably. it, you know. I don't know, but well, you're but, right. I, but it's, I, we again, we do again, just it goes get riveted the, by it. It goes to the polarization issue, right? Because if you make a general statement that American Nazis are on the rise, right, then the right and the left, or whatever the tribal dog whistle you're listening to, then immediately has to have you know a, a, a you know a perspective about that, right? Right. So, as an example, we're not going to let them. We're not going to let them parade in our town, the progressives right. would say. And then the other people would say, yeah, but that's a, you know, that's a definite First Amendment. First First Amendment. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you just kind of go. And so we're off and running and hours of prime time cable programming news is spent, you know, basically washing through these things that when and out of all the other things that we could be talking about. In an inordinate amount of stuff gets spent on when you really look at it, you say, well, how big an issue is this really? Not that I'm wild about American Nazis on the rise, but, but how many people actually is that? How, how big a problem is that as compared to some of the other things that are taking place? Yeah. 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 I, 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 as, as long as it stays interesting to us, I feel like we're burning some karma. <laughs> well, we're you know, definitely doing that. That's for sure. I, I, I don't know. I think at, at some point it gets boring and then we're ready to move on. And, 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 and this is sort of the culture war that we're fighting. Yeah. And, you know, maybe it's just right on schedule that we're yeah. fighting a culture war. It may be because, yeah, be. uh, you know, at least we're not hurting each other with clubs and, and, and well, yeah, I mean, if you were in the middle of one of those sort ups, you know, that happens on the street and maybe happening more often if we, if this continues 
to drive people it's in the street. Still, again. I mean, if by any historical standards of war. Oh, it, no, no, uh, no question. Nothing. No question. But I mean, afraid to go out, you know, on a street, no, no, totally. urban areas and things like that. I mean, I go, this is, I don't want to say it's new, but the level of it, um, you know, seems, and I will say seems by taking in the news, seems to be at a higher level. Now, whether it is or not, I don't know, but it seems yeah. like it is. Right? Well, it's interesting because you're right. It does seem that way. And, it, and, and then when you look at the numbers, I'm not so sure, yeah. but I don't know. You know, it's, it's, um, well, here's and one of the other issues that um, and you touched on it in the beginning when you were talking about the corporations and we're going to pick on Facebook and Google and Amazon just because they're the three monopolies now that it just are overpowering platforms. Yep. Um, you know, if Trump hadn't been elected, let's say Hillary had instead. My guess is this was the, the conversation about wealth disparity about corporate power, about protection of consumer interests and all that, that conversation was coming anyway. I mean, we, I, I, as much as, as Trump can seem like the f- poster boy for the corporate president or the corporate states of America, as much as, you know, because I'm a businessman and this is the way I do things. Um, and, and certainly some of that may be true, but this is the larger cultural conversation that, we're going to have, and we've had it other times in U.S. history in terms of when the union movement arose, what was it reacting to? Well, it was reacting to bad working conditions and children in sweatshops because they, what were they? They were all American corporations just making a buck, right? And yep. so the union, and it was violent at times, the union uh, rose and said, no, we need to have a more balanced relationship around work and, you know, all those things. And I, I my, my guess is particularly when I you know, look at movies and television, this is, we, we are presenting mostly a dystopian view that has some sort of corporate feudalism theme to it with resistance, you know, and that's what makes the movie. And the interesting thing is that even if we see the resistance successful at, you know, taking somebody out or, you know, solving a problem like that, we don't see what happens afterwards. And I think that's a really up for us progressives to do more work on. It's really easy to you know, look at abuses of corporate power and point our finger and say, this is really dark and it's evil and it's taking us in certain sort of ways. But I'm actually more concerned about us progressives standing up and actually offering, which Integral certainly could be a part about, a different perspective and vision of what we're working toward. Not that it's going to be either or overnight, but which way is it leaning? What is a generative discussion around economics or politics as opposed to an extractive conversation that we seem to be in now? And if I may say, I mean, this is one of the things that where the Internet is just been invaluable. Yeah. Look at the look at the virtual integral community. Um, uh, It's uh, that's where a lot of the action is. It's where most of the action is. And people are absolutely sorting out what's next, what's new ways of thinking about this. It's what we're doing in the Daily Evolver. It's what you're doing in Integral Life. Uh, And um, just actually to wrap things up, if I may, because we're at the end of our time, um, you know, I offer that as just an invaluable cultural evolution in terms of the cutting edge of Integral is indeed that, and I think it is. And then there's also... Uh, what we're going to experience together over New Year's, right? Which is getting together in real time and real space, and um, and there really is an X factor 
about integral people getting together and you know we talk about tribalism it's our tribe and it is something and about yet, it that is you know beautiful as you know as well um in our community there are you know after the election i mean i remember we got those letters at integral life that said why are you guys assuming that none of us voted for trump oh yeah right right totally yeah so it's, uh, yes, it is. And I'm, I'm happy that everybody's showing up. And by the way, we're also going to have a, probably a much larger global audience this year because uh, we will offer a virtual streaming version that you can do from the comfort of your home and you can watch all the main presentations and that offer will be going probably out by the time we talk about this. Um, so that the 200 people that are showing up in the room that are making a long trek to get here for New Year's is going to be joined by, I would say, three times as many virtually. So we're going to have, you know, lots of opinions around the world because we get a little bit too U.S. focused sometimes. And we have some remote speakers coming from London um, and from um, a number of different places. So those are people that are going to be coming in remotely that actually won't be in the room, but we extended to them because we wanted some other opinions. So it's going to be, as we say, it's going to be really interesting because designing this conference and working with all of you to sort of bring it into play, we've said for six months that we had no idea where we were going to be in terms of the culture or individually by the time that New Year's rolled around. Right. And we can already see that because if three months ago I had said to you, here's the story that's going to break, Jeff. It's not going to be North Korea. It's not going to be the Middle East. It's not going to be, it's going to be that women actually are going to be standing up and taking down powerful men across a number of industries. That's going to be on the cover of Time magazine. I, I think we probably would say, well, that's interesting and great, but can you imagine that happening? That's been going on for years, and everybody just kind of does it. Well, look at the power of it. Right? And yet here we are. And here we are. So I'm not saying that we've got, what, three and a half weeks? You and I, when we stand on that stage opening night and you're going to do sort of getting us into the room in the current state of the news, among other things, um, who knows what we're going to be talking about? And everybody's just going to have to keep their knees loose because it, we have no idea where this is going to go yeah. right? in terms of what we're actually going to be reacting to and paying attention to and then trying to find some way to manage it. Yeah, right on. But whatever it is, we'll get it all figured out. Yeah, That's or at least our- we'll have the shifts. We'll have, you know, I, I'm hoping, we're hoping that we're all going to go home from that um, with just some ideas about what shifts in us as we practice differently, right? And that will be very useful because 2018, um, my guess is, is not going to be any less Oy. than 2017 we, has been in we terms have to do of things to deal with. Yes, we so do. this is the integral life practice tested to the max. And um, oh. so we're hoping we can send everybody home with some, uh, some suggestions about how to remember that. Right on. Well, thank you, David, Thanks, Reardon, for joining us. And um, yeah, check out the What Now, what now Conference. Yeah, uh, and they can go to integrallife.com as well. And it's I think it's the second thing at the top. And you can just click into it. That'll take you to the page as well if you want to uh, actually join us or uh, sign up for the, the virtual streaming piece that'll at least give you some idea of what's going on in the room. Right. So hope to see you there. You will. um, Yeah. And uh, thanks again, David. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And see you uh, next, I guess I'll see you on Monday for the next Daily Evolver. Thanks, Jeff. Bye-bye. Bye.